say the Lord's Prayer. She was reciting it all by herself without help from her mother, and this is what she said. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us some emails. (laughs) (laughs) And then another one, the father was reading. Now this one, you're going to have to think about it a minute. This little guy is a pretty sharp guy. Uh, He picked up on something that sometimes we don't, the way we say things. Uh, the father was reading the Bible story uh, to this young man. He read, the man named Lot was warned to take his wife and flee out of the city. But his wife looked back and was turned to salt. And his son said, well, what happened to the flea? <laughs> I told you you'd have to think about it a little bit. You've got to let that one sink in. Okay, so the little guy was worried about the flea. Hmm. Still didn't get it, did you? All right. (laughs) Let's move on. Let's get into something else here. The title for the message this morning is The Joy of the Lord. How many want joy in your life? We all want joy in our life. Now, there's a difference, and, and I've heard pastor talk about this and other people talk about it, but it's important that we get it into our thinking. Happiness and joy are two different things. Happiness is when you get whatever you want. You see that new car, you love it, you get it. It's like, wow, I'm really happy until you get the payment book. And then you say, wow, hmm, what happened here? This thing made me so happy, but it didn't bring joy. Okay? So so happiness is when you get what you want. But joy comes from the Lord. And it's, it's something that's there no matter where we're at in life. And life comes at all of us, and different things happen to each one of us, and they're not all good things, they're not all things we expected. And so we have to realize that only joy comes from the Lord. So if you want joy in your life, we're going to look at a little formula here in Scripture that tells you how to have joy in your life, all right? Um, Now, in the first, we're in Philippians chapter 4. We're going to read verses 4 through 9. In the first three verses, there's some indication that there was some problems going on in the Philippian church. He names a couple of women that were at odds with each other. He said, they need to become like-minded. In other words, they need to work out their differences, That doesn't mean you have to agree on everything, but you have to work those things out when you disagree. We all have our different point of view, and many times I've said this to people, if you'll listen to what they say, you'll understand. You may not agree with it, but you'll understand how they arrived at their point of view. And if you understand how they got there, then you can be a little more compassionate and loving about how you deal with the situation instead of being attacking and, you know, so on and so forth. So, so we see in this church, it was like all churches, it had some difficulties going on. I don't know how big these difficulties were, but they were there, and Paul recognized them. He didn't gloss over it, he didn't say, this is the perfect church, you know, you just need to get down to Philippi, and you'll be in the presence of the Lord, and everything will be wonderful. 
he's saying, no, there's some problems that you've got to work them out. So when he's talking about joy here, he's not talking about a place where there's no problem, or everybody gets everything they want, and, you know, I mean, that's Disney World. <laughs> Although, having been to Disney World... Uh, anyway, I won't go any further. Uh, so, so, you know, and then the, the other thing that I, I think it's good to remember, do you realize that Paul wrote the book of Philippians from jail? He was in jail. This wouldn't be the kind of stuff I'd be writing from jail. I can tell you that right now. I wish I would say I, I could do that, and I could if I would you know, follow the advice of Scripture here. Then I could write something like this from jail. But this isn't like, okay, life is all rosy and wonderful, and there's no problems, and there's no difficulties. Paul is basically saying, in spite of the trouble I've got, in spite of the trouble that's going on in the church, you can still experience the joy of the Lord. And this is what he uh, does here. And so we're going to look at Philippians 4, starting with verse 4. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, Whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything excellent or praiseworthy, think about those things. Whatever you have learned and received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. All right, let's pray. Lord, we're thankful for this passage of Scripture because it tells us the way for us to experience true joy in our life. And I know each one of us want that joy. We want it bubbling out from inside us. We meet those people. We have those friends that seem to have the joy that comes from you. And we, we just get so envious. We want to be like them. We want to be joyful. But we find ourselves at times not being. And so I pray that as we look at this, we can find the secret of experiencing true joy, no matter what we're facing, no matter what we're going through, no matter what is happening in our life. And we'll be careful to thank you for it, Holy Spirit. We're asking it all in Christ's name. Amen. So the first thing that he says is, let your moderation be known to all mankind. In other words, be gentle and compassionate with all mankind. Now, I don't know about you, that's a tough order for me. When somebody is just obnoxious, when they're just being, like the pastor would say, a jerk, I have a hard time not being a jerk back. I want to pay back to them what they've just dished out to me. I didn't deserve this. What's wrong with you? 
get off my back, or I'm coming for you. (laughs) But that's not what God wants us to do. He wants us to be gentle and compassionate. Now, as I said earlier, that doesn't mean we can't disagree. We've got to learn how to disagree. I remember in my younger life, the church we were attending uh, had a lot of problems. I mean, it was full of problems, so much so that the district superintendent was called in and he was going to have to settle the problems that were going on. It's like, oh my goodness. And when I look back on it, I think how terrible that was. For the church to be in such shape that they had to call in one of the district leaders to resolve the issues that were there. And I'll never forget what the superintendent said to start the meeting. He said, you have a right to disagree but you don't have the right to be disagreeable. Now, there's a difference between disagreeing and being disagreeable. He said, if you start being disagreeable, I'm going to cut you off. And I thought, nah, these are all believers. We, we won't experience that. And sure enough, we wasn't very far in the meeting So somebody stood up, and they were going on and on and on, and finally the superintendent said, Sir, you need to sit down, because you're being disagreeable. You're not just disagreeing, and you you know what that's like when somebody's disagreeable? You know, when you're talking about politics, and you have a difference of opinion, And now this person says, well, I don't see how you can be a Christian and vote that way. I don't see how you... What? I don't don't see anything in Scripture that says I have to vote your way in order to be a Christian. I have a right to my opinion, no matter how wrong I might be. (laughs) I have a right. So, you know, it's, it's one of those issues where, you know, we need to learn how to compassionately and gently say, well, you know what, I'm sorry, but I disagree with you. And be able to state our opinion without attacking and putting the other person down and, and just, you know, it turns into this nasty thing. I call you names, you call me names. We go on and on and on. And in politics, oh, good grief. It's like these people need to grow up this, this is fourth grade stuff, calling each other names and, you know, come on, come on. You're, you're supposed to be leaders. Stop it. Stop it. But I also know that what they really need in their life, and I'm not passing judgment on whether they're believers or not. That's not what I'm saying. They need to hear this passage of Scripture because he says there's a reason why you can be gentle and compassionate with all of mankind. And that is that the Lord is near. Now, when you look at this and study it, it has like a double meaning. First of all, it is talking about the idea that the Lord's within us. Have you ever noticed how certain people bring out certain things? 
when, uh, when I was a young man and I played on the church softball team, and uh, <clears throat> somebody made the comment, and I have three younger brothers, and so we were all on the team. And so you can imagine, here's the Taylor boys running the show, basically. But somebody said to Ed, man, oh man, when you're here, these guys really play ball. When you're not here, they slack off a little bit. So his effect was that he encouraged us to play ball. We wanted to impress him. We, and, and it's interesting because there were a lot of other people there in the crowd that we might have wanted to impress, but we really wanted to impress our dad because he was the one who pitched the ball around with us and taught us to play and expected us to know where we're supposed to be and what we're supposed to do and how we're supposed to do it. And so we wanted to impress him. So we were affected by his very presence. Another little story that happened to me in my younger years when I was in high school, my uh, uncle ran a farm. And if Pastor Phil was here, he would appreciate this. It was in Illinois. So in the summertime, he needed farm workers. And guess what? He got some cheap labor out of me and some other teens. And so we would go there and we would work in the fields. On this particular day, we were working in the hay field. And this guy brought out a truck. And he brought out a truck with sideboards on it. Okay? So I don't know if you've ever bucked bales before, but for a teenage boy, throwing them over the side of those rails, that's not going to happen. So we would have to go around to the back of the truck, and the bales were so big, we'd have to lift them up with our knee and shove them up. And that's pretty big. I was about the size I am now when I was in high school. I had got my growth early, and I was pretty stout. And so it was all I could do to get those bales up on the back of the truck where it was open. But he had hired these two guys that just got out of prison that were mammoth guys. I mean, these guys were... Now, to, to show you how strong they were, they could grab one of those bales with one hand, throw it over the side of the rail. Now, one of the things that happened at the end of the day, those guys said, don't bring that truck back. <laughs> or we're not going to work, because we are not going to throw bales over the top of those rails all day long. Now, I'm telling you this story because what happened, one night we went home, and early the next morning, my uncle gets a call, and this lady says, and it was these guys' mother is who it was, said, you need to get over here. I need some help. And he could hear the ruckus going on in the background. And so we drive over there, and as soon as you pull up, you can hear the cussing and the things, dishes shattering. And, and so she had told him, when you get here, you come in the back door. And my bedroom is right there. Just come and help me get into the kitchen. Now here's these two hawks in the kitchen, Refrigerator turned over, stove turned over, one's behind one appliance, one's behind the other. They're throwing stuff at each other, throwing knives, whatever, screaming and yelling and going crazy. And she just walked to the door and said, boys, 
What are you doing? Well, they stopped what they were doing. And she said, get this mess cleaned up. Her influence on those two boys that were like 30-ish, because they'd been in prison for 10 years or something, and these were rough guys. I, I was just blown away. Why? Why would they listen to their mother? Because they respected her. Now, I'm, I'm telling you these stories because you need to see the influence that people, that a person has on your life. And, and when he uses the phrase that God is with you, Jesus is with you, he's in your heart. You know, if you remind yourself in whatever you're doing that, wait a minute, Jesus is with me, that's why it's important to start the day off by reminding yourself somehow that Jesus is with me today. He's going with me. And, and you know, I, I can remember, uh, you know, when I was a kid, everything was a sin, you know. If it was fun, it was sin. It's like, okay, is it a sin? Is it fun? Yeah, well, it's a sin. It's like, okay, I got it. I, if it was, you know, go to the movies, that was a sin. We could watch the same movie at home on the TV, but if we went to the, the size of the screen, anyway. And the thing that they would say is, well, what if Jesus came while you were in the movie? What if he did But we've we got to remind ourselves that Jesus is with us. He's right there with us. When you're going through things, whatever it is, whatever you're up against, whatever life has thrown at you, you've got to remember, hey, wait a minute, I'm going to live this out in front of Jesus. He's going to see everything that I do. He's going to hear everything that I say. He's going to know all about it. As a matter of fact, the Holy Spirit's trying to speak to you in the back of your voice saying, hey, um, no, 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 don't do it. He's trying to filter the thing for us. But we've got to be aware that he's there. And, you know, there's some people that I know that I can tell when they've been with the Lord. Mm-hmm. <laughs> If they've had their prayer time for the day, boy, they're pretty nice to be around. But if not, they can be pretty prickly. It's like, whoa, what's wrong with you today, you know? It's because they haven't been reminded. Does God go away? No. Does Jesus go? He's there. We just need to be aware of it. We, we need to make sure every day, and that's what Paul's saying to these people, hey, listen, you got some problems going on, but just be aware that Jesus is with you and what you say and what you do, he's aware of it. And let him filter your thoughts and filter your thinking and so on and so forth. It'll make a difference because then you'll experience the joy. Have, have you ever had one of those confrontations where you and I've had some anyway, where I've handled it the right way. It's like, wow, I came out of there, I felt really good. We got something accomplished because I didn't get sucked into the trap and go off on them like they went off on me. And I didn't call them names like they call me names. Now, 
I'm not going to stand up here and tell you that I never got sucked into the trap because there are some people that are good at getting you in the trap. They're good at saying all the right things, all the hot buttons. They push them all and they keep pushing and they keep pushing. That's where we got to be reminded that Jesus is there. And he will strengthen us. He will help. You know, some people say, well, that's just the way I am. I'm just an angry person. Oh, yeah? Well, you better get over that. Because Jesus is saying, I want to change that in you. I'm working on that in you. I'm trying to make you into something different. I'm trying to make you into, you're going to be like me. It's like, and the only way we can be like him is if we will be aware that he's there. Okay, so, and and then the second meaning of this is that his coming soon. Do you realize, and I'm sure you do, but I'm going to remind you anyway, that we could not make it out of this service before the Lord comes back. Do you ever think about that? So the last thing that you did before you came to church this morning, now you've got to face the Lord and, you know, that person that you yelled at, that part. I'm not saying that he's going to take away your salvation because you lost your cool, but I'm saying I don't want, to, I don't want the last thing I do on this earth is something that's disappointing to the Lord. Now I've got to stand before God and give an account for what I did, and it's like, uh, whoa. We need to really, really be aware, and I think we lose that, that Jesus is coming and he's coming soon. We get comfortable. We hear, we've heard it all of our life. Yeah, 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 he's coming soon, but i got a lot of plans. You know, don't, don't come too quick, Jesus. i got some plans. I, I want to do some things. Well, you better get over that because he could come at any time. He says he'll come like a thief in the night. He says, uh, whenever you don't expect it, look out, I'm coming. I am coming. And you need to be reminded of that. We all need to be reminded of it daily. Today could be the day that I'm going to go be with the Lord for all of eternity. Wow. This could be it. I, I, I've been looking forward to this. All right, here it is. So, so we have to really get excited about the Lord's coming back. Now, I, I've told this story before when I preached, but I've got to tell it again. Uh, a friend of ours, uh, their parents became believers or first the mother became a believer and the father still wasn't and, and he wasn't going to church yet and so she went to church and they were really preaching on the second coming and so she didn't quite get all of it, understand how it worked. So she went home and told her husband uh, they had an upstairs bedroom with windows in it. She said, now listen, you've got to unlock all these windows because if the Lord comes back, i got to get the window open so I can get out of here. <laughs> now, that's somebody that's expecting the Lord to come. Okay? Now, we need to have that kind of expectation. We need to, you know, temper it with some knowledge that we don't have to have a window open. If he comes, we're going. The dead in Christ are going to rise first. And then we that are alive and remain are going to catch up with them in the air. Boom, 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 boom. Hallelujah. We're going, going, gone. That's the way it's going to happen. And so you, you need to be reminded of that. You need to remind yourself of that every day. 
Every day when you get up in the morning, say, wait a minute, the Lord's with me, and this could be the day he's coming back to take me to be with him. Wow, it changes the perspective for the day. We can have joy. We're living with joy now. It's like, okay, I don't know, I may not make it to that meeting that I'm dreading so much. I may be with the Lord. It's like, okay. But anyway, those are the two things and so we see that, you know, you know, Pastor Phil has his letters, and I tried to come up with letters again. And I decided I'm going to do J-O-Y instead of the same letter. So the first one is Jesus. All right, so we've got to have Jesus. Get Jesus on your brain. He's got to be there, all right? Now we'll move on to the second thing, to let prayer replace being anxious. Now, you know, sometimes we worry about stuff that, you know, what, I'm trying to think of the statistic. It's something like 80% of what we worry about never comes to pass, and about 10% comes, doesn't come the way we think it would. And so it just leaves a very small, 5 or 10% of what we worry about actually comes to pass. So we use a lot of brain power trying to worry over stuff that isn't even going to happen. So we need to, you know, switch that around. And we need to, uh, you know, spend some time in prayer. Now, I, I want to talk about prayer a little bit. Because over the years... I've had some interesting experience with clients and them talking about their prayer life or their devotional life, okay? So I think the first element in prayer should be worship. That needs to be there. God always deserves to be praised and worshiped no matter what you're going through, no matter what you're up against, no matter how anxious you are, no matter how overwhelmed you're feeling, God still deserves to be praised and worshipped. We, we need to know that, and we need to look at that in our prayer life. How much do you praise and worship the Lord? You know, do you wait till you get here to church and, and in the prayer's time praise the Lord? Or do you praise the Lord when you're praying every day? That, that should probably be the, the biggest part of our prayer, you know, because God says he inherits habits, I'll get it right, he inhabits the praises of his people. That means he's present. So if you're praising God, whoa, he's right there. And, and you know, when we pray, now you may have the idea that you're changing mind when you pray. I'm going to talk him into this. I'm going to talk him out of this. I'm going to keep saying it until he gives it to me won't happen. And sometimes God lets it ride long enough for us to get the message. It'll happen when I'm saying it's going to happen. So we need to praise the Lord because what happens, praising the Lord causes us to be different. You know, when we're here praising the Lord, we walk out of here different. Now, I, th- this just reminds me, I, I want to say this, I was going to say it when I first got up here and I got excited and didn't. Uh, I appreciate Jonathan leading us in praise and worship. And I appreciate him being sensitive to the idea 
that the Holy Spirit wants to do things sometimes that we are not prepared for or we didn't come in thinking, this is what I want in the service. This is the songs I like. Sing my, the songs I... No, 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 no. We need to be sensitive to what the Holy Spirit... And I don't know if you noticed what happened, but I want to explain it for somebody that might be confused. The Holy Spirit was moving in the service and we came to a point where... Nobody was singing. Jonathan was just leading us in praise. The guitar was playing softly. And all of a sudden, a word of knowledge came forth. That's what I consider what was said as a word of knowledge. That's one of the gifts of the Spirit. If we don't allow room for the Holy Spirit to work, then he will not crowd his way in. He will not push his way in. He will be a gentleman. And so we need to respect that. Now, I'm reluctant to go down this path, but I'm going to. You know, we need to learn some things about that. You know, the Holy Spirit's a perfect gentleman. When somebody tries to give a message in tongues and interpretation in the middle of the pastor's sermon, eh, wrong. That's out of line. That's out of line. You need to let the Holy Spirit move in his way, and he will make opportunity for it to happen. But, you know, we're praising God, and we get all excited, and, and we decide we're going to give a message in tongues, or we're going to give a, a, a prophecy, or we're going to give a whatever. <sighs> then you need to sit on that until the Holy Spirit opens it, and, and make sure that this is God saying something. This is God. This is not me. Because, boy, I can get all kinds of great ideas. I could stood up, and, and even when that was happening, I was thinking, oh, God, what do you want said? Ah, come on. I, and I had thoughts, but I was like, eh, I'm not sure that's what the Holy Spirit wants to say, so I'm going to keep my mouth shut here. And God got someone else to say it. It's like, okay. We need to respect it. We need to understand it. He doesn't want the service just to be a free-for-all. He doesn't want it to just go out of control and you have a message in tongues, interpretation, prophecy. I've watched those services. I've been in those where people are just all over the place. They're all emotional. They're jumping and running and, and uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. And they're out of control. They're just within themselves. They've excited about praising the Lord. And so they just let their excitement run what they're doing. No. No. That's not the way it should be. And I always get suspect when things happen the same way every time. It's like, wait a minute. The Holy Spirit's got more creativity than that. He, he knows how to do it differently. So, but we need to be sensitive to that. So I, that's just a side note. I just thought I'd throw that in there. I better get back on track here. Uh, so, so we need to worship and praise God every day. Every day. Allow the Holy Spirit. You know, when you uh, were filled with the Holy Spirit, do you remember what that felt like? Wow. You need to stay down on your knees until you sense the Holy Spirit in the room with you. You know, my mother used to go pray, and sometimes she'd pray for 15 minutes, and sometimes she'd pray for three hours. And, you know, 
But if she didn't pray, eh. she was a great mom. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying I could tell the difference. When she was in touch with the Holy Spirit and she walked out of that room, she was a different person to deal with. We need to let the Holy Spirit move. And how do you do that? You praise him. You spend time praising the Holy Spirit. And then the second thing on the list is thanksgiving. How much time do you spend thanking God for what he's done? We need to spend more time doing that. He's not the sugar daddy that we just say, this is what I want, and he... That's not the way it works, folks. You need to spend time thanking him for what he's already done. Because if you don't appreciate what he's already done, you know, all of us that are parents, we get it. We get it when you get kids that they don't appreciate what you've really done. All they want is that new pair of tennis shoes, or all they want is whatever it is they want, and they just want you to shell it out. Shell out the money. No. No. How about saying thank you? How about let's thank God? Do you realize that he... What, what parent doesn't enjoy it when their kids say, you know, I want to thank you for whatever, just being my parent or whatever. It, it gives you a warm sense. And God's the same way. He's our parent. He wants us to thank him. He, he enjoys that. Not to manipulate him. You know, I, I've had my kids try to manipulate me, but oh, thank you, Dad, blah, blah, blah. No, by the way, Okay, I get it. Or you have somebody come up to you at work and they say, oh, I want to thank you for staying over and doing this and blah, 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 blah. Oh, and and by the way, yeah. So it's like, okay, don't, don't try to manipulate God. Thank him for what he's done. You know, he deserves it. Uh... And then there comes the part of petition. Uh, what's a petition? A petition is when you ask for something you need. Now, I have to challenge the Christians in the United States. Some of their petitions are like, uh, wait a minute, wait a minute. I consider petition if you need food on your table and you need transportation to somewhere because you're going, it's really important in your life. Or you're about to lose your house. And, you know, that's a petition. God wants us to petition him. He wants us to come and say, hey, I love you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. But I I do have a need. Okay? But he doesn't want us just to make the whole thing about the need. And I'm sure, you know, because sometimes we get, when we get in prayer, all we're doing is ruminating over what we want. God to do, and we call that prayer. That's not prayer. I'm sure sometimes God says, hey, I heard you. I heard you the fifth time ago. Stop. I know what you need. I got it. Back down a little bit. You don't have to remind. I didn't forget. It's just not timing. It's just not the right time. You know, I, I wish I would have made a copy of it. My wife ran across this, uh, I don't know what it was, something that was written by a person, and they said, well, you know, 
if it was up to them, when Joseph was put in the pit, Otto went and took him out of the pit and robbed the whole nation of Israel of being saved from the famine. If it was up to me, when Jesus said, take this cup for me, I would have took him away and not let him suffer on the cross, robbing the whole human race of salvation that was paid for there at Calvary. And they had a whole list of things in Scripture that it was like, oh, wait a minute. God's got a way of doing things. God's got a timing on things. And we need to really allow his timing to take place because he's working something bigger. Last time I spoke, I talked about the, the man sitting there begging. It, he didn't get healed until it, the time was right. And when the time was right, then the whole city knew about it. And God was able to spread the gospel through the whole city through the healing of this man. But if you know what? If he had healed this man early on, that probably wouldn't have been the case. So, so you know, we, we need to make our petition. And then, you know, requests, requests are okay. You know, yeah, I'd like to have this, God. I'd like to have that. But don't get caught up in it. Don't just stay on, yeah, I want that new car. i got to have it. And then start to make it a, a petition. And God's saying, you don't need that new car. You don't need that new house. You don't need half of what you think you need. You want it. And that's especially true with Christians here in the United States. We think we've got to have all these things. The, the poorest people in this country live better than most people in third world countries. Much better. Much better. Most people here have food on the table and shelter. There's very few that don't. And if they don't, then we need to be helping them out. So, all right. So, you know, instead of getting anxious about things, you should be praying about it. And that brings joy then. When you get your prayer life ordered, you have joy because you feel like, wait a minute, I'm not just trying to get what I want. I'm not being selfish. All right. So, I titled this one, Overjoyed. Okay, so you have Jesus, and then now you're overjoyed because you've been spending time in prayer and you've been doing it the right way. And then the last one, uh, he gives some filters to filter things through. Now, he said, these are the things that you should be thinking about. Now, I, I want to qualify this by saying, and, and I've said this I know many times here, but I'm going to say it again, your thought life works between some have said 2,000 words a minute and some say 4,000 words a minute. So your brain is going crazy. You can say it's not, but I can look in your eyes and I can see some of you are not here with me. I don't know where you're at, but you're not here. Your brain has taken you on a trip and you're either fishing or you're either eating or you're either on vacation or back on vacation or wherever you're at, but you're not here because your brain's going so fast. Now, let me, let me give you something so you can compare that to. 
The fastest speaker speaks at about 200 words a minute. Now think about that for just a second. 200, 4,000. Wow. So you think 20 times faster than you can speak. All right. So this, when you get something in your brain, you don't think about it just once. That's why it's so important to look at what is going on in your thought processes. Because it's, it's not just that you have one thought about it. You think about it over and over. If you're angry, you're thinking over and over and over again about, I hate that guy, I'm going to get him. I, yeah, 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 yeah. Whoa. If you don't stop that, you're soon going to act on it. Because that's what we do is we act on what we think on. Some, we, we, we get to the place where we justify, well, I'm justified, so I'm going to get him. It's like, wait a minute. The place to stop that is way back here at the beginning. People that are struggling in their life with different things, I've told them, well, you've got to stop this back when you start thinking about it. Not when you're in a position where you're about to do it. Whoa, you're way past. Now it's going to be really hard to stop, but if you stop it from coming in, and, and you know, your brain's going to be thinking about something. That's why when I look around the room, I look in your eyes and I can tell some of you, I don't know what you're thinking about, but it's not this. Because <laughs> your brain's going to take you somewhere. You are going to go somewhere. So you need to take charge of it. And that's why, you, you know, if you're going to learn something from the scripture, you've got to take charge of your brain. You know, you can sit down and, and, you know, I had this missionary once that told me that he was having trouble with his devotional life. Okay? So uh, he, uh, I said, okay, well, tell me about this. Well, he, he had a trouble praying, and he, his prayers were gimme, 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 gimme. And so then I said, well, okay, so what do you do for your devotion? He said, well, I read 10 chapters of the Bible every day. Hmm, okay, that sounds pretty good, I guess. But as we went on, he shared with me, I hate to read. <laughs> I hate to read, because I'd ask him to read something. He said, well, I'm going to be honest with you, I'm not going to read that because I hate to read. I just hate it. Wait a minute. You, a little while ago, you told me you read 10 chapters of the Bible every day, and that's your devotional life. What? How is that going to work? So you do something that you hate as devotion to God, and you wonder why you're not excited about it. It's like, wait a minute. Let's think about this. So we go on talking. And then he's telling me, I said, well, so what is something that you do enjoy? He said, well, I like doing calligraphy. You know what calligraphy is? It's the fancy writing. Some, and he would take a verse of scripture and get a big sheet of paper, and he would write this real big with the scrolls, and it would be beautiful when he was done. It was a beautiful wall hanging. It's like, wow, that's great. How long does it take you to do one of those? Well, it depends on the verse, but... I said, so when you're done with it, do you know that verse of scripture? Oh, yeah, I've usually got it memorized because I've went over it so much. Oh, so why don't you do that for devotions? And his answer to me was, oh, I couldn't do that because that's fun. (laughs) 
okay, so you're not supposed to enjoy your devotions. You're supposed to find something that makes you miserable. And, and it's like, come on, let, let's, let's make this enjoyable. Let's not make it drudgery. Okay, so, so then he gives these six things. Is it true? Most things that bother people, they aren't even true. As I sit and talk with people and say, hey, what makes you think it's true? Well, so-and-so said it is. Really? I heard it on the internet. Yeah, that makes it true. Yeah, well, maybe you better consider their source. And how many times have we read something on the internet and we checked their source and we found out they don't know what they're talking about. And yet they're telling you life-altering things to do and not do. And they don't even have an idea what they're saying. They just, it, something they thought would work and so they say, so it's not even true. And yet people are spending their time thinking about it. That's where they, they're locked in and they're hooked on it. And Christian people, you know, be careful. Be careful. Somebody says, well, the scripture says. And I say, where does the scripture say that? They can't tell you. Well, I don't know. I heard that that's what it says. Well, if it's not in the scripture, it's not true. Don't think on it. Filter that stuff out. Get that out of your thinking. Get all the, that'll, that'll take care of most of the nonsense. If you just get, if it's not true, I'm not going to spend my time thinking on it. The second thing, is it noble? Is it worthy of respect? There's some things that may be true, but they're just not worth respecting. So you just say, you know what? I don't want to spend all my time on that. I, uh, I'm thinking about something. I'm, I, I won't say that. There's just some things that aren't worth thinking about. You know? You hear them, and you find out they're true, and it's like, you know what? I, I'm not even going to think about that, because then I'll end up passing it on to somebody else, and before it's done, somebody's really depressed because they heard, it's like, yeah, no. It's not worth thinking about. It's not worthy of respect. Is it just? Is it right before God? Ooh, that eliminates a lot of things. Because God says, I'll, I'll treat this justly, but I want revenge. He's like, no, no, no. Stop thinking about it. Move on. Leave it. Because it's not, you don't, you, if you don't know it's just before God, then you better assume it's not and not go there and not stop thinking about it. Is it pure? Things that are immoral? People that are struggling with lust? You know, we have a pornography problem in this country. It's a big-time problem. Big-time problem. And people can say, oh, it's not that big a deal, blah, blah, blah. Yes, it is that big a deal. Because people are focusing their attention on stuff that's immoral, and they end up acting on those thoughts. It's, it's just a spiral down. And so, you know, don't let your mind go there. Keep it pure. Lovely. Is it pleasing and agreeable? Does it bring real love to the situation? Isn't it great when you've got a situation going on and somebody speaks up and what they say 
ah, just relieves the tension and brings love to the situation, and you feel like, oh, good. Uh, is it of good report? Does it ring true to the highest standards? You know, we need to filter our thoughts through all this. Now, let me, let me I don't think I said this, uh, but when people are depressed, one of the things I've discovered is they're depressed because of all the negative self-talk they're doing to themselves. It's probably not even true. It, it does, they, they didn't filter it out, but they just kept doing the... Oh, now think about it, 3,000 words a minute, I'm no good, I'm a creep, I'm a whatever, blah, 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 blah. And now they're depressed. So if I find people that are depressed, I try to get them, what, what, what's your, you need to change your thought patterns. You need to start using this list, and you need to get over on some positive thinking here. You need to let the Lord help you think about good things. And now, on the other side, kind of, is the person who's anxious. What causes people to be anxious is visual thoughts that they have about something. So they're driving down the road, and somebody pulls off from the side, and now they're anxious. Whoa, we almost had an accident. And if they keep thinking about that, they get more and more anxious. Or other things. So if you find yourself getting anxious, look at your thoughts. What are you visualizing? So, the, you know, the scriptures here are saying, you want the joy of the Lord? You don't want to be depressed? You don't want to be anxious? You want to be full of joy? Then watch your thoughts. Your thoughts is what this one is, the why here. Okay? So, then he ends it by saying, right actions follow right thinking. Right actions follow right thing. If you want to do what's right, people are having trouble doing the right thing. It start, we think about it before we do it, folks. Now, we can short-circuit that. We can think about it just a little bit and go right to it. But we need to change the thinking. That's where we need to grab hold of it. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to get us at the thinking stage, and we can control it right there. And uh, he says, God is with us when we act on what we know is right. So if you want the joy of the Lord, then you need to let your moderation be known. You need to let prayer replace anxiety. And you need to filter your thoughts by that list that I just read to you. And if you do that, God blesses when we follow his word. Now, he's given us the formula. If you want joy in your life, you you have to follow the formula. You can't go your own way. You can't just say, well, I'm going to get what I want, and then I'll have joy. No, you'll have happiness, but you won't have joy. So, okay, Jonathan, if you'll come and help us out here. I wonder if there's anybody... I want you to think about this. 
that something in this sermon has spoke to your hearts and you realize, I need to make changes. I need to do things differently. I need to watch my thoughts. I need to take control of what's going on inside of me. I, I encourage you, as we spend time here right now, praising the Lord a little bit, that you allow the Holy Spirit to take the Word and apply it to your life. And it, and it applies differently to all of us. It'd be, I started to say it'd be great if we were all the same. No, it wouldn't. That'd be terrible. It'd be terrible if we were all the same, but we're not. So different things apply. Let the Holy Spirit apply what he's trying to speak to your life. And I'm going to pray, and I'm going to let Jonathan lead us in some worship. And as he does that, I want you to just really get quiet before God and let him bring this message home to your heart. Lord, we're thankful for your word. We are so thankful for your word. It tells us how wonderful you are. It tells us that we can come to you in our time of need. And I know that you want to take control of our lives, not because you want to be controlling, but you see that it would be good for us if you have control. Help us to see that as well and turn our life completely over to you, no matter where we're at in this process. Help us to do that, Lord. And I pray for each person under the sound of my voice, whether it's here in the service or online, that they will examine their life and allow you to speak, then follow through. And I know they will experience the joy that can come from you, even in the midst of difficulties, in the midst of pain, Whatever they're going through, give them that joy that comes from you. And we'll thank you for it, for we're asking it all in Christ's name. Amen. When you feel like the Lord is through with you, you can consider yourself dismissed. Thank you, those online, for being with us. We appreciate that. We pray a blessing on you, too. Bless you all. Holiness, holiness.